And I am Aware Now. Aware Now, the official platform for causes. Tune in and turn it up as we raise awareness one story at a time for the causes that tie us all together. In partnership with Connect TV, this is a Connect Now production. Exclusive interview with Shaman Durek and Princess Marta. The Royally Spiritual Life. An origin of regal spirituality with Shaman Durek and Princess Marta. When a shaman who as a boy was told he would marry the Princess of Norway one day meets the Princess of Norway, who has given up her dream of finding the love of her life and her hope of truly being seen, this is when Shaman Durek and Princess Marta met. The rest is history. In the making. With an unwavering commitment to social change and an unbreakable bond, tested and proven, Durek and Marta not only talk the talk, but walk it, with pride and passion. The story of a shaman and a princess isn't one you hear every day, especially when it's this shaman and this princess. Shaman Durek and Princess Marta, you both have bold and brilliant stories of your own. Now comes the story that the two of you own together. Please share the origin of this beautiful couple before me today. When did you find each other? And how did this all begin? I'll let you begin. <laughs> so we got introduced by a, a mutual friend of ours called Milana Snow. And um, I had a session with her because I do energy readings as well, like Shaman does sessions like in that way. And so we did a session together and she was like, oh my God, I've never felt this energy with anybody else but Shaman Durek, you two have to meet. And so uh, we organized a meeting, um, a lunch, um, and I brought some of my friends. And as soon as I walked through the door, I looked into his eyes and I was like, I've met you before. Like it felt like meeting an old friend. And then he went, yes, we were destined to meet way before we were born. And I was like, internally, because I'm a princess, I'm very polite. So internally rolling my eyes, you know, like, oh God, another LA man, you know? <laughs> but, but then we started talking and it was like, it was like meeting an old friend. And, and we've been talking and being together ever since. So yes, for me, it was uh, my friend Milana Snow. Um, she was at my house. I was visiting from London at the time and I was working on a new TV show. And uh, she came over and we were doing healing work. And she said to me, you have to meet this amazing woman. She didn't tell me she was a princess. She just said, you have to meet this amazing woman. Um, she's like, are you dating anyone? Are you seeing anyone? And I was like, no. And she's like, well, I don't know if that's what it's about. I'm just getting this really strong feeling from spirit that I'm supposed to put you both together. So I was like, okay, well, you know, let's, let's see what happens. And she then um, told me later on the phone that she was a princess. And I go, what do you mean a princess? And she said, oh, you know, she's a princess. She has like a father who's a king and a mother who's a queen. And I'm like, hmm, princess, yeah. Well, I'm going to um, get back to you on that. And of course, I didn't get back to her because I was thinking from the perspective of um, I had a different viewpoint about what the royal family is like and the princesses and the princes. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person who grew up in Hawaii and California. 
rode my skateboard, you know, was chosen to be a shaman. I, I live a very different life that, and I have many sides to me. And I didn't think that any person who's in the royal family would be able to understand all the multifaceted aspects of who I am. And then my friend, um, you know, kept, you know, calling my friend Milana kept calling me and I kept ignoring and dodging her phone calls. And then, yes, you did. <laughs> it took some time. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, um, and then I was talking to my friend, um, Selena, who was running, uh, who runs Dave Asprey's company at, at the time. And she said, you know, I want you to really think about, you know, you're always saying you want love in your life and you're always saying you want uh, these things. How do you know that, you know, meeting her might be a doorway that opens to love? And um, I was taken back by that a little bit. I'm like, why am I putting up a roadblock? Why am I creating some form of resistance? And then I realized maybe it's because of the fact that I think maybe she won't be, maybe she will not like me for who I am, or maybe it's not, a, you know, this type of thing. But then I got, I went into meditation and I thought about it and I was like, well, maybe I should give it a, sh a shot. And so I decided to contact uh, my assistant at the time and um, ask them to set up the meeting. But I told them, you know, to set it up as a lunch and make it a very quick, you know, experience so that I can get back to doing what I do as Shaman Dirk. And that way, um, it's not this long drawn out process, you know? This really boring meeting that he was going to. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when we were, I was getting ready, um, I said, you know, I'm gonna go as the things that I like, you know, and at the time I was very much into kimonos. I had this whole idea of kimonos and cowboys. So I was like a rock and roll. I love rock and roll um, shirts from the seventies. And I wore a blue kimono and a rock and roll shirt. I think it was my Metallica shirt and a pair of jeans. And some, I think it was one of my cowboy boots. And I was like, and that's what I'm gonna do. And whoever she is and however she is and whatever it is, she's going to see like, this is me, you know, and all of my amazingness and wildness and freeness and, you know, so forth. And so she walked in the door. She was wearing a black skirt, a white shirt with two ravens and tennis shoes, which I was like, what? This is interesting. This is what a princess comes in it with a skirt and tennis shoes and a t-shirt you know and she had a friend with her named Hege who was wearing all red with like these beautiful flowers on her dress that went all the way down to her legs and she walked in and as soon as she walked in the door I saw these piercing blue eyes and I looked into her eyes and all of a sudden I had an out-of-body experience and I saw myself in another time as she was my wife in that time and we found each other and I saw myself in Egypt and all of a sudden this voice spoke through me, it channeled through me and I didn't even realize I said it. And I said to her, um, we were destined to meet before time, which there's a backstory to that as well. Um, and then from that moment, I couldn't take my eyes off of her and I wanted to impress her with my abilities. Oh yeah, this is a really funny part. <laughs> 
because <laughs> he really wanted to like show off his abilities and his powers. So um, he started like uh, doing a reading on all of us and like checking all our energies and everything during the lunch, which was amazing. You know, as I'm also a psychic and see things, uh, I always like, because not everybody is like authentic, right? And so I was like, I was like, but mm, okay, I'll check this guy out, how he is doing. <laughs> but he was really good, of course, he is. Um, and then after lunch, he was like, okay, Martha, uh, stand over there. I'm going to show you something. And he put a hair game in front of him. And he was like, Martha, Martha, look now, look now. I'm going to raise her energies, okay? And he was like raising her energy, putting electricity to, through her and doing all these kind of things. Look, 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 Martha, 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 look, 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 look now, look what I'm doing. <laughs> Making a laugh historically, everything. It was so funny. And I was like, is this guy showing off to me right now? <laughs> is this guy doing? <laughs> and then, <laughs> well, that was really cute. I thought that was really sweet. And we all, um, because it, it is very intense when you, you meet your powers for the first time. And I didn't know that these kind of people existed on planet Earth anymore, uh, that still have the magic, you know, that I've always believed was there. Um, and, and so I went out and we had just crashed straight outside the house. Both of us sat down, Heg and me, and we were just like crying on the street because she was like so exalted and I was like so happy that I finally found somebody with that kind of magic. And, um, I wish I would have known she was outside my gates crying on the street. I would have had her come back in, but <laughs> I just went right back to work. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then we continued um, calling and meeting. We exchanged numbers and um, we started talking on the phone. And the conversations went from like one hour to three hours to four hours, most of the time laughing like children. Um, it was like, connecting with an old friend that I haven't spoken to in a very long time. And it also felt like, you know, when you can never catch up. So you always have like more to say or more to share or more to like get to know each other better. But you've already, you already know each other. It was a very weird meeting. It was very, uh, it was great and so wonderful getting you back in my life. But it just felt so safe from the start, like coming home. Um, and then, of course, he remembered that his mother had told him that she, he was going to marry the Princess of Noah when he was 15, because his mom is an oracle. <laughs> and so all his friends, he didn't realize, he didn't remember all of this. And all his friends started calling him, saying, do you remember? Oh my God, it's actually happening, do you remember? <laughs> yeah, so all my childhood friends started uh, calling me. And then like one of my friends in Sweden, who's a really big pop singer, she, I went to go visit her and her dad, because I'm good friends with her dad and her. And I was jet lagged from my trip to Sweden and they were, her dad was making me this homemade soup and I was falling asleep and he goes, so is there anyone gonna be special in your life? And I'm like, I'm waiting for my princess. Don't even remember saying it. He brought it up to me and was like, don't you remember saying this? And then all my friends started reminding me what my mom said when I was a kid. And it all dawned to me, my mom, I remember the day my mom called me on the phone. I was getting ready to go skateboarding with my friends. My mom called me and she said, I spoke to the elders in Bahal. The ancestors have made their, their point very clear. You can do whatever you want in your life, but eventually you're going to be with the princess of Norway and you're going to be married into the royal family. And you guys um, are going to reunite and change the world. And I was so young, I was like, 14 going on 15, like something like that. And um, I just remember her saying that and being like, so you're telling me, mom, 
that the elders told you that I'm going to be with the princess of Norway and marry into the royal family and we're going to be this power couple that's going to change the world. Mom, I'm not even thinking about getting married. I want to go ride my skateboard and go search for animal chin. And throughout my whole life, she kept saying it to me. She kept saying, well, it doesn't matter who you date because the princess of Norway is the one you're going to end up with. What happened was we started building a friendship. And I come from a very old school way when it comes to relationships that you nurture and you courtship the person that you're going in relationship with, with gifts and outings and talking and sharing. And I'm not a person who's like, okay, let's just jump into the relationship. Plus she has children. And I have this belief uh, that when you are dating a woman with children, you need to get her to know her children without um, it being about her, because when you go into a relationship with a woman with children, you're go they're also in relationship with you as well. And so if it doesn't work out, it hurts them as well. And I wanted to make sure, because I am the type of person who believes in integrity and the way in which we show up in the world, that I wanted to show up in the right way. So it took some time, a lot of courtship, a lot of gifts, a lot of time together and um, a lot of friendship. And the kids didn't even know we were dating because we wanted them to meet me in their own autonomy and the way in which they would perceive me is as her friend, not as her lover, you know? And um, what I found absolutely amazing and what made me fall in love with this woman is uh, amazing intelligence she has. She makes me laugh. She accepts all of my multifaceted selves um, she also acknowledges what's going on in the world. And I'm a type of person that I've dated other people and I'm very much an instrumental person in creating change in the world and seeing someone who is just as inspired to wake up in the morning. And the first conversation that comes out of our mouth is what can we do to make change in this world? What do we need to do? Who do we need? Like what, what's the next step? What things do we need to look at in order to bring more wisdom and more value to the earth? And also what an amazing mother she is to her three daughters and watching a woman raise her children and with love and openness and education and empowering women, empowering young girls really inspires me. So everything about her was absolutely perfect to me. And she is a pure heart. When I say pure heart, I'm talking like angelic. She is, there's not a bad bone in this woman's body. She's pure, she's loving, she's supportive, she's open. You can talk to her about anything. There's no weirdness in any conversation we have. I can say anything to her and she will have a conversation with me about it. And we also, what I love about our relationship is that she honors our, our responsibility to honor our own triggers. So if I get upset about something, I know it's not about her. It's my trigger of something that happened or something I experienced that I haven't healed within myself. And so I take responsibility for it. So if she gets upset, I'm not gonna argue with her and bicker with her. I just look at her and sometimes I smile and I laugh and like, she can't even take it seriously. Like if she gets really, really upset, I just kind of go like, mm-hmm, yeah, I'm here. I'm okay, it's good.
you know, because I know that it's her own, she's going through her own trigger. So we share our triggers with each other so we can grow and we understand what relationship is about. And it's not a, a power play. It's not this, um, I'm gonna trump you kind of thing. It's, it's more of a, it's, it's a more of the relationship we're having with ourselves. And I learned that uh, having a relationship with myself, being aware of myself, looking at the places where I need to grow and where I need to evolve allows me to see the places where I show up in the relationship, where I can take responsibility for things. And she was that person as well. For me, that was huge for me. And I knew that this is the person that I could spend the rest of my life with because I know that we're always gonna keep growing and we're always gonna use our resource to create change in the world and put the power back in people's hands and really bring about an understanding of the world. And I think that that's also so beautiful with our relationship that uh, we really hold space for each other. And like you say, we both take responsibility for our, for our emotions, which is really very special. There's never nagging or like uh, accusing um each other of things or picking we, at each yeah, other because we know that it's or if we do then we both check each other mm -hmm. you know like and remind each other that that's not the kind of relationship we want and so it's such a great thing for me to be in this relationship where we both grow together like that i think that's so inspiring every day to know that he really takes care of my growth and i take care of his growth and i take care of my growth and he takes care of his growth and that's like so great to have a person where you can actually walk together on the same path but in in your own footsteps and i think that's really really amazing yeah i now, do too another thing i also find is really amazing is that um we really are totally transparent and and can talk about anything have any kind of emotion um, and also show the very vulnerable sides. Also, I think that's really important for men, you know, that we women really hold space for the vulnerability of men, that they can cry, that we're okay with that, that we don't look down on them for being weak because it's actually a strength showing that kind of vulnerability because it, it shows that, that men can actually be safe showing their emotions. Um, which is really important to me to be that kind of person for you as well. And knowing that men grow up, you know, not having the ability as women do to cry and to be emotional. I think it's really important. It's also 80% of men, more men than women committing suicide. You know, and I think, or 80% of suicides are committed by men. That's, that's correct, that's right. And that's also because, I think, because of um, of the emotions not being allowed to come out and that you're not allowed to be that emotional being that you are. And so I think that's so beautiful too in our relationship that you actually let me see that side in you and that we are totally transparent and allow each other to be exactly who we are. Yeah, I think the idea of having a woman who I can still be the man and I can still be feminine at the same time, I can say, hey, I need to crawl into your arms right now and cry like a baby. And then I come out and I'm even stronger. And also for me as a man, being able to acknowledge, and because I think a lot in society, we don't acknowledge women's wisdom. Mm -hmm. And we don't take the time to really hear what they're really saying and where it's coming from. And so in our relationship, 
one of my things that I, I love to do is just open space for her to be able to just speak and share her wisdom. And what ends up happening is it actually makes my life better because women see more than men do. And so she sees the blind spots that I don't see. And I am so much about, you know, being an advocate for women's empowerment. And there's places inside of myself where I will find, oh, there's these old male chauvinist behaviors that were passed down through my family of what a man is supposed to be. And what, it, what she does is she points them out to me. She says, this is a male chauvinist behavior, or this is what you're doing right now. This is the issue that has caused this in the world. And then I go, oh, and instead of being like, oh, you can't tell, you can't tell me that because I have to, I'm the man. I'm like open to hear what she has to say. And then I go away and process that myself and then come back with a new person, with a person who's not operating in that perspective. As a new person, you mean, not with a new person. Oh, not with a new person, <laughs> as a new person. I hope you don't come with a new person. No, I'm not coming with a new person. Up, I'm that's so. not good for us. No. <laughs> And that's the thing between us, we joke a lot. And you see how she corrects me? And instead of me getting upset about it, I'm excited about it because it's only making me a better person. And so it allows me to go out in the world and, and, and perceive and understand things differently by the way that our relationship develops in its evolution. And she has so much wisdom and so much power. And it's so beautiful to sit and listen to someone correct you and make corrections so that you can go, wow, this is what God gave me. God gave me a woman who is able to see my flaws so clearly and so directly that she's able to pinpoint them and reveal them to me so that I can be a better person. But that goes both ways. I mean, we, we, uh, we have, I mean, growth in both ways like that. Yes, you, absolutely. You pinpoint me, I pinpoint you. Yes, like, and I enjoy it. Yeah. On the path you walk together, you've been challenged by royal tradition and societal stereotypes. Um, my husband, Jack, and I are a biracial couple. We know what it's like to walk into a room where the not-so-nice looks begin, where the not-so-quiet whispers start. Love to hear from you now. Um, please share your experience with racism and what you've done to address it. Um, well, I've definitely had a journey within this realm um, because I was brought up um, with white privilege, uh, without being knowledgeable of that. I was blind to racism. Um, I thought racist people were these evil people who kill black people, you know, and that's not me. And that I think is a fault that many white people have that we don't see, or we're blind to the racism around us because we don't know we're part of the system. And so to me, it was so eye-opening meeting Durek and having that all pointed out and seeing like, oh my God, uh, the world is not treating people. And I knew this, but I haven't experienced it. And I think that's also for so many white people the case that racism doesn't exist because I don't experience it. 
you know, and and other people do. And we, that was so eye-opening to me to see all the small details where it came out in so many different ways. Some obvious, some very not obvious at all, but still there. And I think it's really important that white people stop uh, being the ones defining what racism is. We have to uh, acknowledge and know and understand and put ourselves in the perspective of other people's way of seeing it. And the ones, the people of color who actually do receive that kind of treatment. And we start to need to start listening. And that, this was like, it changed my whole world perspective. And, uh, and I'm really grateful for that transition and that growth that I've had in that. And I think, I think having a, a, a powerful woman as, as Princess Marta, who is able to um, adjust into being open and, and being willing to be educated about what it has been like for me as a person who is melanated of color um, being brought on the planet, you know, because when you're, when you're, when you have color, when you're born with color, you look at the world and you don't see any reflection of where you belong. So then you start to realize that every type of incident that takes place, if it's the cops throwing you on the roof of your car and putting a gun to the back of your head, because why? Because they said you ran a red light when you really didn't. You know, or every day they're they're profiling you. You go into an elevator. A woman is holding, grasping her bag tighter because she thinks you're going to rob her. Because the identity and the way that the systemic value of humanity in color has been dialed down to thug, to liar, to whatever comes out of your mouth. It's an immediate disbelief. So you spend a huge portion of your life learning how to exist, just to exist, just to basically say, I have a right to exist. And you don't know what that means and where that shows up because there's nothing there that gives you a, a, a foundation or a grounding of where you fit in society. And so you start ripping yourself apart. You start to tear yourself apart. You start to not want to be the color of skin that you are. You start wanting to, uh, wondering if your life would be better if you had lighter colored skin. And then you go through that, that, that self-hatred. You go through that, that internalization and then you come out of it. And I think, you know, it was good for me that I had already gone through a lot of that in my life and I've and I have been very educated with a very educated family in the arts and music and poetry and 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 theater and understanding of, of of black history where our roots come from what struggles we've had to go through in our family to be where we are and why the certain modalities that exist within society are still operating. So coming into her life, coming into her family and the royal family, learning that people are still, there's some people who are still not able to perceive me without looking at my color and looking at the stereotypes that go along with my color. And how do I appropriate the situation at hand when you're in the midst of some very intense racial comments coming out of people's mouths, 
uh, people um, who have had a long history in enslaving your own people, you know, um, you know, and, and, and having this very broad scope of the bigger picture of where I am and where they are. So for me, it was about being able to stay in a humble place but also stay resilient in power, but respectful in nature and, and being able to hold that level of honor for my people, for all people of color, that I am stepping into an echelon of people who have been, you know, already um, put into a, a mindset that they have been since their ancestry from the time when they were enslaving people of color. And now here's a person of color standing in front of them who's dating someone of their own social class and their own graces and also monitoring me to see if I am valuable enough to even stand with her. And then dealing with both the, the backlash of people of color who have an issue with me being with someone and that lineage as well, and then dealing with the racism that comes from the people who don't have the education or the understanding of what sh what Princess Martha so eloquently described. And and how and how we deal with that is well, I've written posts about it. We share our story. I think it's important that we all speak about what we experience uh, on both sides. I mean, we've had death threats. There's been quite like bad things going on, but yeah. still, it's really important. I think that. We move through that and because racism is also based on fear of something that's not what you know yeah the unknown mm. it's a fear of the unknown and it's a fear of not having the education of cultural understanding and how human beings are it's it's the also the fear that someone's going to take what you have away from you and so therefore you're threatened by not knowing what their action or their behavior will be and i think Princess Marta being so eloquently speaking out about it in the press, talking about it on her Instagram, sharing it when she's sitting on these dinner tables to people and educating them in that echelon of this is what my experience has been and this is what we need to start looking at. And for me as well as educating people and helping them understand that just because someone is being racist in front of me doesn't mean I have to be a victim, doesn't mean I have to be angry, doesn't mean I have to sit in this place of wanting to retaliate. The education of, of theory is always based on the, re, the action in the moment. And so if we look at that as a precursor to change, we realize that if we have the education of knowing why someone is, are, is the way they are, then we have a, 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 a choice to be able to shift ourselves in a way that brings a little bit more understanding, compassion, and empathy for the, for the delicate situation of, of ignorance and, and, and lack of knowledge. You both are dedicated uh, to creating positive social change in this world to others who have the same dedication, but have no idea where to begin, because there's a lot of change needed. Uh, what advice, maybe a piece of advice from each of you, what piece of advice would you offer? I think each change in the world uh, starts with us. I think there's no change that is out there. It all starts within ourselves. It all starts with how conscious we are of what we want in the world and living that life and changing our inter internal selves. Um, I always say that, you know, we have 
uh, when we're, we have a factory and we have all these different products that's coming out, it's the same machines that make the exact same products. Now you have to change the machines and the materials to get a different product coming out at the end. And so we can't think that we, have to, we can stay the same with our same views and the world will change around us. That doesn't work. We have to change for that product to come out in the other end. We have to put in the new machinery, we have to have put in the new materials, and then we present you know, the world with a change. And that's what we have to give to people, that change and how to do that change. Yeah, and I think for me, it's about acknowledging your emotions. You know, I, I, I always say that I became who I am because I was angry and pissed off about what I saw. And it was the anger and the rage and the frustration that I realized was my passion to see change. And so sometimes people have to realize that you're gonna get angry, but if you're angry and something irritates you and it gets under your skin, then that's the thing you need to be putting your love and passion to, to create change. You know, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King said that it was his anger that motivated him to see what needed to change. And then it was the anger turned into passion and purpose that dedicated him to become a civil rights leader. You cannot create change if you are not affected by something. And the effect is not to sit and wallow and be in misery, but to actually see it as an opportunity that spirit is giving you to be able to forward your path with precision and focus with the passion to see something different. Do you understand why I love this guy? <laughs> <laughs> I love you, babe. I see what you see. <laughs> <laughs>